You are listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at sungrove.org. It's pretty entertaining to ask little kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? In this day and age, the answer most often right now is, I want to be a YouTuber. And the real desire of the heart right now among young people is to be famous. But famous is a double-edged sword. Becoming famous has a rise and a fall in America that people are just waiting to prop people up only to shoot them back down. Many people cannot wait to see other people actually fail. The crowd, the media, the opinions of people can switch between cheering for somebody and jeering for them all in the same day. I've entitled today's sermon, You Can't Trust Human Nature. And if we can't trust human nature then, where can trust be secure? Where can trust actually be found? The secure place for your trust and my trust is in God. It's one of the reasons that God is actually your soulmate. That people often look to someone else, a relationship or a spouse, to be their helpmate. People in this time always say, I just want to find my soulmate, my true soulmate, as if who they looked for before had failed them and they now think that that soulmate is out there somewhere else. But we can't put that in a human, that God's got to meet the needs. The very God who created your soul is the only one who can be your soul mate. Do you realize that God has been for you and he's been with you every heartbeat of your entire life? Nobody else has that claim. Nobody else can say that about you, but God can, even if you don't believe in him yet. Why is God trustworthy? Why is God the one in whom you and I can put our trust when we can't trust human nature? Well, God has to be understood as he reveals himself, not as you might define him or opinion might define him, but how God reveals himself in the scripture. And I want to tell you a little bit about this God today, that God is faithful. He is steady. He is trustworthy. Even when you or I have no idea what he is doing, God is eternal, everlasting, all-powerful. He's immortal, omnipotent. That means all-knowing. He's the creator. He's the judge. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the beginning and the end, the alpha and the omega, the first, and he's also the last. His love is unceasing. His justice is unstoppable. His thoughts, they're always right, and his words will remain forever. In the words of Matt Lingo's song, he says, he is eternal, unchanging through every generation, beginning and the end, his promises remain. God is trustworthy. You can't trust human nature, but you can trust God. One of the things I love about God is he doesn't cheer you one moment and jeer you the next. He became in human likeness. He knows what it's like to struggle. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to experience weakness just as you and I do. But what you need to realize is that God is the God man, the only one that ever existed. That Jesus Christ was born of God and born of the Virgin Mary. He was not born of two human fallen parents like you and me, a a dad and a mom. We were born from that and with that we inherited a sinful nature in our flesh, but that God was born as the God-man. He's trustworthy and yet he empathizes with our weaknesses. He understands them. 
He can comfort us where we are. So God is the God man, the only one that ever existed. And and contrary to social media, he's never to be downgraded to be your homeboy. He's God. Jesus Christ, God in flesh. Here's why you need this sermon. People who thrive trust that their hardships have purpose in God's kingdom. We all experience hardship, but the people that thrive through them trust somehow that whatever we're experiencing, that when we have no idea what God is doing, that that purpose, that experience that that you're going through has purpose in God's kingdom, even if you don't know what that purpose currently is. So we pick up in our series through the book of Acts. We're in Acts chapter 14 today. And Paul has gone on his first missionary journey. So what's happening here is that the gospel is strategically reaching out. Formerly it was taught to just Jewish people in synagogues. But now through strategic effort, missionaries are going out to preach about the good news of Jesus, about this wonderful trustworthy, omnipotent God to Gentile, that is non-Jewish people, people like you and people like me, that is being carried out to them through strategy, through missionary journeys. And so Paul, and remember this is Saul who used to be against the Lord, has now become Paul. Saul's his Jewish name. Paul is his Gentile name. That Paul and Barnabas are going throughout Europe and they are are, are parts of Greece and uh, the Mediterranean and they are going out to a city called Lystra and God's power through them as they enter the city, God's power has them heal a man who had been lame since birth and this man gets up and begins to walk. And that's where we pick up in Acts chapter 14, beginning with verse 11. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in Lyconian language, the gods have come down in human form. And Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, went and brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes, they rushed out into the crowd shouting, friends, why are you doing this? We are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And in the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He's shown kindness by giving you rain from the heavens and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. If you're taking notes today, write this down. We want people to meet needs only God can meet. We want people to meet needs only God really can. See, people are always looking to some other person to meet their God needs Only God can do that. No human can meet the needs of a woman's soul that are intended to be met by her creator. And no human can complete a man in the ways that only God can complete him. However, sadly, the longing of the human soul is to elevate and create a source through another person to meet the needs that can be only met through God. 
So in his book, Surfing for God, counselor and author Michael John Cusick argues that every time a person clicks on porn, they're actually surfing the internet for God. You could replace porn, he says, with any number of people, a ways people that reach out for something more in their lives. Oftentimes it can look like substance abuse or gambling. It can look like, uh, so, uh, it can look like sexual addiction, materialism, addiction to the news, binging on entertainment or comparison through social media. And sadly, all too often, people sabotage their relationships because the one they cheered, hoping to be a God, they now jeer because they find out that person can't be a God in their lives. Isn't that what happened in so many relationships? You watch it, you, you love somebody else and, and they love you. And, and maybe in the first couple of years, you think it's just so great because they love you like you love yourself. You love yourself and someone else is loving you like you love you. And then what happens? After a couple of years, man, the, the newness wears off. And all of a sudden that person who kind of worshiped you no longer does. They see you for who you are. They see your weaknesses. They see that you can't meet their needs like they wanted to. And in the same way you see how they can't meet all your needs and they don't worship you like you worship you. And oftentimes we see people sabotage a relationship because they're really surfing for God to meet the needs of their soul. In Acts chapter 14, verse 19, it says this, then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium won the crowd over. They stoned Paul. They dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered around him, he got up, went back into the city, and the next day he and Barnabas left for Derby. So again, the crowd tries to elevate a human being, these two guys. You're gods, you're amazing, you're gods. And when they tear their clothes and say, no, 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 we're not. And as they begin to try to share the good news of Jesus with people, they had Jews come from alternate cities who came over, they won the crowd effect over. And the people who cheered and wanted to worship Paul and Barnabas now throw stones at Paul and leave him thinking he's dead. Well, we learned something about human nature and why we can't trust it. If you're writing notes, take this down. Making human beings God always leads to backlash. It always leads to backlash, as is the case of the good news. There will always be those who cheer good news in the world. And at the same time, there'll be those who jeer it, who oppose it, who stand against it, who criticize and attack it. The good news of Jesus Christ goes out and some people receive it with gladness and they cheer it, but there'll always be those who attack it. And sometimes when you and I are encounter hardship or opposition, you're gonna take your lumps. And sometimes it makes you take your lumps to the point where you're like, I'm out of here, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave. So Paul and Barnabas, they go to this city. Paul gets stoned with rocks, goes outside the city. But I love that they got up and they actually went back in the city before they left. They go back into the city first. Why? Why would they do that? Because people who thrive through hardships trust that their hardships have purpose in God's kingdom. See, God's not done with us yet. God's people will push through opposition. They will push through those who disagree. They will push through those who jeer them. 
Because the good news of Jesus Christ is to be taken to the ends of the earth. And that's what God is doing right now through, for example, church online. That's what God's doing right now through mission work that our church is involved in. That's what God is doing right now as he, in a sense, has separated us from gathering. But what he's actually doing is he's spreading us out to be the church right where we're planted. And there will always be people who are looking for a pastor or a politician or, or an athlete or someone to prop them up as a God, but I want you to know that I'm an under-shepherd, that God alone is the good shepherd, and together we are Christ followers. We are Christians. We are on this road together, and I love you, and we are in the same work. We are in the same thing. We are walking together as we pursue following Christ in a fully devoted way. So what do Christ followers do? Like Paul and Barnabas, we're to spread the good news about Jesus where he has planted you. And we've planted us all over the place. Let me ask, are you in the hospital? Are you working from home? Are you running a restaurant or a small business? Do you have neighbors who you're finally getting to know because you've been spread out a little bit? Are you dealing with kids who have special needs? Are you a school teacher? And believe me, when I say school teacher, even over the internet as a school teacher, I want to remind you that you are a missionary in the environment in which you're planted. Are you a coach? Are you a trainer or a nurse or a mechanic? Well, what does God want you to do? He wants you and me to share your testimony with others right where he's planted you. And your testimony oftentimes will include how God has worked his purpose in and through your hardships. So what happens? What do Paul and Barnabas do when they've experienced a hardship in a city like this? Well, it says in Acts 14, 21, that they preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra. That's where Paul just got stoned. They returned to Iconium and to Antioch. I mean, are you serious? Think about that. What did they do? They were strengthening the disciples, encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And we've got to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church. And with prayer and with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And after going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia. And when they had preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. Arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they stayed there a long time with the disciples. So what did they do that they understood that they're gonna face backlash? They understood that preaching the gospel right where you're planted means that you might face some opposition. You might face some backlash. Why? Because people are always looking to people to somehow be a God. What do believers do? Write this down. Revisit your hardships to strengthen and encourage others. Think back. Revisit the places that have been tough in your life. Revisit your hardships. Why? To strengthen and encourage others. I mean, have you ever experienced how good it is to meet somebody? You might be in a hardship right now and you meet somebody who's gone through the same type of hardship that you're facing right now. 
I mean, you suddenly what? You don't feel alone. You suddenly begin to believe that you can actually make it because somebody else made it. They've gone through the same kind of things you have and that there's actually life on the other side of your impossible situation. I mean, you would travel across the state or the city or the country to sit down with somebody who is a little further ahead of you and could strengthen you and encourage you in the impossible situation that you're currently facing. How good is that? Well, how do you and I revisit our hardships and why would we ever wanna do that? Well, Paul in 1 Corinthians, as he writes to that church in chapter one, verse three, he says, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it's for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. If you've been widowed, like how encouraging is it for to have someone else who has recently been widowed but is a little further down the road from you to be able to walk alongside you, to encourage you, to strengthen you, and to help you adjust to a new reality in your life? It's everything. It's immense to have someone walk with you in that kind of grief. If you're divorced or you're a cancer patient or maybe you're a trauma survivor or you're just a person who has been through setbacks and loss and disappointments or hardship, what does God want us to do? To revisit those to encourage someone else. The reason that we revisit hardships is to strengthen and encourage others. So God expects you to strengthen and encourage people who currently are in hardships because you know what that's like. You know what it's like to feel discouraged or to feel intimidated or to feel harassed and worn down and to be in sorrow. You know it. Our world doesn't know what to do with our hardships. In fact, they get stuck like a scratched CD or, or a busted MP3 or, or a broken record, they, get, they revisit their hardships and they just do that all the time just to let everyone agree with how bad it was, how bad they were treated, how awful it was, and to explain why they're such a mess. Well, listen, that kind of revisiting your hardships is totally counterproductive, but it's what our world does all the time. We call that stuck. You didn't receive comfort in your hardship, you're just in hardship. You didn't receive comfort and be strengthened and encouraged, so you're not able to strengthen and encourage somebody else. You're just stuck. We call that complaining. We call that victimization. And we've all been there and we've all done that to varying degrees. We cheer ourselves. Look at how great I am, but we jeer our hardships. And we don't have encouragement or strength left for anyone else. Well, we see this all the time in social media, don't we? Social media wants to show just how bad that situation was, how unjust the hardship, how costly the mistake. We call for reform without actually being part of the strengthening or the encouraging solution. That is to jeer what is going on in society without cheering and being part of the helpful solution. You can't trust human nature. That's how humans operate. Human nature can never bring a lasting solution. 
So listen, to experience the testimony of God that encourages others is to ask to be a blessing from God. You've received blessing, now you're gonna bless somebody else. But all too often, people go through their lives and what they do is they receive the blessing of God, they experience healing, but they're afraid to share that experience with other people. They're afraid to share what God did in their hardship time. And that's like basically saying, God, I'm asking you for a blessing, but I refuse, God, to let the hardest places in my life be a blessing to somebody else. God, please give me the blessing, but I refuse to bless someone else. But that's not the picture of scripture. The picture of scripture is that we revisit our hardships because we are blessed to be a blessing. We are comforted by God so that we can use our experience to comfort others that God is not done yet. He's got one more move up his sleeve. Listen, that is what makes Christ followers so attractive to lost people because all they know how to do is revisit their hardships and try to explain them away. All they know how to do is revisit their hardships and play the role of like what was so hard done to them and, and how cheer themselves and try to prop themselves up, but kind of jeer the situation or jeer everybody else. They don't know how to heal. They don't know how to be strengthened or encouraged. And God wants you and I having been encouraged, having been strengthened, having been carried through to help carry and encourage and strengthen others. Why? Because people who thrive trust that their hardships have purpose in God's kingdom. See, people think, well, I'll finally get it. I'll finally understand why me, God. They think like God's going to like shine the light and say, this is why you went through your hardship. This is why this horrible experience happened. And I want you to know that the answer and the purpose might not answer why me, God. The blessing of our hardships in God's kingdom is to strengthen and encourage others, even if we don't on this side of heaven realize why we went through it in the first place. Paul could sit there and say, why did I get stones thrown at me to the point that I was almost dead in Lystra? Well, I don't know if God gave him any particular answer that it would be strong enough to make his wounds feel better. But what we see in his example is that he returns to the place of his hardship to encourage and strengthen others that life is not perfect, but God is good and God is trustworthy and God is not thwarted because you went through a hard experience and he's not done with you yet. Well, how do we experience the comfort of God? First, we go to him as the healer. We say, God, you're the one who's got to give me purpose in life. You got to fix my sin problem. You got to wash me as white as snow. And God, I need new life in you. I need the power of God in my life. I've trusted people and they have disappointed me. I've trusted experiences and they have not turned out how I wanted. God, I've been trusting myself and I have limitations. I'm realizing that pride will never satisfy me. And so God, I come to you now and I need you to make me a new creation. I need you to heal me on the inside. I need you to bring comfort and help me strengthen and comfort other people. And if that's you today, then the only way to do that is through the God-man, Jesus Christ. And you might be ready. You're ready to give your life to Jesus. And if that's you today, right where you are, just take a moment and pray a prayer like this after me. Just say, Jesus, today I give you me. I believe you died on the cross, a horrible, uncomfortable, awful hardship experience. But you did that to satisfy God's wrath against my sin. 
And so I believe it. I trust that you did that for me. And I ask you to wash me of all my sin. Make me as white as snow. Make me a new creation on the inside because today, Jesus, through your hardship, I give you me. And right now, if you made that decision, we'd love to know in the chat that you made that decision. If you made that decision right now, you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. Your sins are gone. You don't have to fear death. That hard things will happen in life, but you have a God who is your comfort and God wants you to revisit your hardships to comfort those around you. If you've already made that decision as a believer in Jesus Christ, maybe God is nudging you in your moment of decision right now to encourage and strengthen others around you, to revisit your hardship, to be able to say, how can I take that experience and the comfort of God? I am been blessed by God to get through it, but how can I be a blessing to someone around me? And that's your moment of decision if you're a believer in Jesus Christ today. Thank you for listening to the Sun Grove Podcast. For information on Sun Grove Church, visit our website at sungrove.org.